and welcome back to the podcast. Today we're going to look at Noah, Noah and the Ark, a good old story many of us have known from childhood, loved and cherished it. This may be a walk down memory lane for many of you. We're just going to jump right in with Genesis chapter 6, verse 5 through 7, where he said, The Lord saw the wickedness of man was great on the earth. And the Lord was sorry he made man and said he was going to blot man out off the face of the earth. So first we're going to cover the causes of the flood. And all the way back there at the beginning, what happened was man grew wise in his own eyes. Man got to thinking that he was smarter than God. So they started living for the pleasures of this world. They let the flesh take over. And finally, God's patience reached it in. And after all of those years of creation, not sure exactly how long, hadn't done the math on that one in a while. But God said, finally, enough is enough. And he gave man 120 years to repent. You can read about that in Genesis 6, 3. But they wasted their opportunity. And I think, wow, that's just hard to let soak in, isn't it? You have an entire population of people, the whole global population, estimates vary, but you have million plus people, easy. And they just blow it off. They don't even care. They just let it go because they'd rather have the temporary joys of the flesh than a long-term relationship with God. So we've got everyone, almost, everyone on the planet, rotten, full of the flesh, full of sin. But Genesis 6, 8, Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Noah was a righteous man. And so he had chose to walk with God, which is really phenomenal. Because you've got everyone on the earth doing things that are not godly. And here's one man that says, no. I'm going to stand with God. I'm going to hold my course with God. Noah had set his mind on heaven, to kind of paraphrase Colossians 3, 2, and he knew that if a million people believed in a stupid idea, it was still a stupid idea, and he wasn't going to have any part of it. And thus, he continued to walk with God when everybody else, all his friends, all his peers, everyone in the community turned their back on God. Noah said, not me. I'm going to stand my ground. And so God reaches out to Noah and tells Noah what he's going to do. That he's going to be removing man from the face of the earth. And he gives Noah a plan so that Noah and the animals can survive the flood. And one of the neat things about Noah is he followed God's plan. Now, this is pretty phenomenal because all God did was tell Noah basically to build a big barge, a big floating barn, if you would. And I don't mean a pretty modern red barn with white stripes. I'm talking about a stinky floating barge full of animals. And Noah did just what he was told to do. He did not build a carnival cruise lines. He did not start modifying the plans God gave him to appeal to the flesh. But rather what he did was he built the floating barn or the barge that God wanted. Now, there's something I think that's kind of neat there. Think about it. Had Noah built a carnival cruise line, there would have been people lined up trying to get on board to enjoy the indulgences of the flesh. God didn't want people who wanted to indulge the flesh. God wanted people who wanted him. God wanted people that would love God with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their mind. And Noah's the only one that had that love. He and his family, just eight people on the ark out of a million plus people. Now, the size of the ark we're not always really sure about because the way they did measurements back then could vary, and it was a long time ago. But it's common to hear that it was 437 feet long, so easily over 400 feet, over 70 feet wide, and over 40 feet high. And it was enough 
to get the job done. It was enough to do what God wanted to do. All the ark had to do was hold about 35,000 animals. And then again, estimations always vary. But the great diversity of species within each kind that we have today is something that man has created by crossbreeding. As you go back in time, you lose a lot of that diversity. And when you stick with just a kind, it doesn't take that many. And so some of the estimates run around about 35,000, say 36,000 individual animals. But based on the size of a lamb, it is estimated that the ark could have held up to 125,000 lamb. So now if all you need is room for, uh, well, you have room for 135,000, but all you need is 20, 35,000. Now, the ark is uh, quite doable. It's kind of funny, the math on the ark. The people who are against the ark try to do the math to make it look impossible. And of course, the people on our side, we're doing the math to make it look possible. And the only real answer I have for you is you're just going to have to work the math out yourself and do the research. And most people don't want to do that. I haven't done it, so I wouldn't feel real guilty about it. Now, we come to the question of the dinosaur. People always want to know, okay, preacher, what about the dinosaur? Well, most people imagine full-grown giant, you know, dinosaurs on the ark. Uh, I'm thinking... Why does it have to be a full-grown mega dinosaur? Why couldn't it just be a younger, smaller, healthier dinosaur that has some longevity left to it when it gets off of the ark? You know, there's some presumptions that get made that don't always stand to reason, and there's other ways to look at it. And then some people say, but if they were on the ark, then why aren't they still around today? Well, I don't know. The mystery of the extinction of the dinosaurs has been one we've been trying to figure out for a long time. Animals do go extinct. There are some theories out there about the new world after the flood not being one that was really healthy for that particular species. And then there are signs today that say we still have the dinosaur with us. They just have evolved differently. They've changed. And nowadays what we see are in lizards and some say even birds are the ancestors of the dinosaurs. I don't know. But if God said, take two of every kind on this ark, I believe he did. Now, what happened to them after that? I, the Bible just doesn't say. We, each person just going to have to come to their own conviction on that. So Noah gets the ark built. Everything's coming along just fine, right? And God says it's time to get in the ark. And it says that God closed the door behind him. I just think that's kind of interesting. And then a little later, the rain started falling. And when the rain started falling, I wonder what all the people outside of the ark thought. And when the water started rising, you just can't help but wonder what was going through these people's mind. Imagine being one of those people. And as the water really started getting deep and it's coming into your house and you're trying to find higher ground to go to and you're trying to save your kids and you see the ark floating off in the distance. I wonder what are those people thinking? What are they feeling? They had simply deferred too long, didn't they? You know, there are people that go, one of these days, I'm going to get right with God. And they waited till it was too long. And only eight people survived. Now, there's always the argument about, was it a global flood or was it a local flood? And skeptics, of course, deny the global flood aspect. And this is an odd little twist because sometimes they will point out that every culture has an ancient story about a great flood. 
And their conclusion, because every culture has that story, is obviously it couldn't be real if all of the witnesses are saying it happened. Did you catch what I'm thinking there? I'm thinking, look, if all the witnesses of history say there was a great flood and they're all passing the story down, somebody needs to back up and look at history again. Somebody needs to reevaluate the evidence because in our modern times, when all the witnesses say something happened, we will agree and accept that it happened. Now, there's another little interesting twist here, and that is, if the flood was just local, then why even build an ark? Noah could have took his group and just traveled one mile a week, okay? One mile a week, and had he done that for the 120 years that God allotted, he could have traveled over 6,000 miles. Now, think that one through for a moment. <laughs> he could have covered some territory and got out of the flood area. The way the Bible presents it, it's a global flood. And when you get to Genesis 7, 19 and 20, it said the waters prevailed 15 cubits higher and the mountains were covered. And so in Christianity, of course, we teach a global flood. Or maybe I should say in old traditional relying on the book, chapter and verse testimony, we teach a global flood. Now, there's some of that stuff out there today. I'm not sure what kind of Christianity it is, but it is modernized and trying to accommodate a modern way of thinking. So when we think about the flood, did the flood really happen? Well, if you believe Jesus, yes, the flood really happened because Jesus talked about the flood in Matthew 24, 37 through verse 39. And he said that the coming of the Son of Man will be like the days of Noah. He said for the days before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage till the day Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. So if we believe in the Bible and we believe Jesus, then of course we believe the flood. There's, there's just no ifs, ands, or buts about it. That's where we take our stand. And then, of course, the waters prevailed, and finally the waters receded, and Moses comes out of the ark, and God gives the sign of the rainbow. And he set his bow in the clouds, and it was a sign that God would not again flood the earth with water. You can read the details of that in Genesis 9, verse 12 through 13. The next destruction God has planned for planet earth is a destruction of fire. And you can read about that one in 2 Peter 3, 10 through 13. Again, that's 2 Peter 3, verse 10 through 13. So now as we kind of ponder the overall story of Noah, not going into a lot of historical detail and technical detail, just, you know, looking at the story, we have parallels with us. We've been warned of judgment. 2 Corinthians 5.10 said we'll appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And we have our entire life to ponder what we're going to do with our eternity. And just as in the days of Moses, the days of Noah, when most people pilfered away their opportunity, the same thing is happening today. And today, instead of being in the literal ark of safety, there's those who are in Christ's church that are safe. And thus we point people to a good book, chapter, and verse foundation on which to navigate their way through life and toward heaven so that in the end they may find themselves successful and enjoying the eternal blessings that God desires to give us. And that's a pretty good recap and overview of the story of Noah, his family, and the ark. So I say, thanks for listening. I know Noah's an old favorite for a whole lot of folks. I hope it was a little bit of a trip down memory lane for you, a little sentimental perhaps. If you enjoyed it, of course, share it. Share your comments if you'd like. And I do believe that together we can make a difference. And as always, I hope you have a great day.